glad that you are with us today, whether you're here in person or you're joining us online. Uh, we're glad that you're with us today. Maybe you're on vacation. Uh, maybe for whatever reason you couldn't make it today. We hope very soon you'll be worshiping with us in person because it's great to see all these faces. It's great to welcome one another, see one another in the hallway. So glad that you're worshiping with us. We're in a series called I Didn't Say That. Uh, we often misunderstand what other people are saying or communicating. Sometimes we misrepresent what someone is saying or trying to communicate. It's not always intentional that we do that. We thought we actually heard one thing. They were actually saying something else. Husbands have never made that mistake, but some of us have made the mistake of thinking that we heard one thing and it was actually something else. So sometimes we misrepresent uh, what was said, and, and it's not intentional. Oh, we're not trying to misrepresent people, but, but let's be honest. Some, some people are. Sometimes people are m- intentionally misrepresenting what somebody else said. Now, th- one of the interesting things about miscommunication is y- you don't necessarily have to lie in order to misrepresent what somebody else Said. I mean, there are times if you just say part of what was said, if you just communicate one side of what was said, it's really not an accurate reflection of what was communicated, but technically it's not a lie either. You're just telling part of the story. Here's something fun to do. The next time there's a big breaking news event, especially if it's a political uh, news event, which let's face it, everything's political these days. But if it's a, a breaking political news story, just flip through about four different news websites and see how each of the websites covered the exact same event, the exact same story, the exact same Words. I'm sure you've probably done this before. It is shocking how different the same story looks from one news site to the other. Same story, completely different headline. Completely different story. And, and whoever wrote the story or the editor or whoever chose the headline, they could each defend what they're reporting. They would say, well, that's true. And it may be, that part may be true, but there's another part that you didn't report that balances out what you said. Uh, we, we can tell part of the truth and it still not be an accurate reflection of what happened or what was Said This is not my manifesto against uh, news agencies. Hopefully we all know now nobody tells us the whole truth. And so hopefully you balance out where you get information. But this is just one example in our society where we can look at the same thing and we can come to different conclusions or we can report it in different ways. My point is simply this. Something can be technically true while at the same time implying things that aren't true. It can be technically true, but it implies things that aren't completely true. Advertising is really good at this. Advertisers can get in trouble for false advertising, and so very often advertisers are kind of skating the line between what is 
100% true and what is just true enough to get you to buy their product. I have some examples. Here's an advertisement from a really old magazine article. Eat chicken. It's healthy and benefits you. And in one sense, that's true. Chicken's lean and can be good for you unless it's a bucket of Kentucky Fried, right? Then this is no longer true. This is just one side of what's true. Here's another one. Berry loaf. Well, they didn't advertise berries loaf. They advertised berry loaf, and the loaf actually has one berry in it, right? It's true, but it's not exactly what you were expecting. Another uh, advertisement I found, world dinosaur. I don't know if you can see it from your seats. If you look really close, it's cats and dogs, which are in the animal kingdom, Maybe somebody could argue they descended from dinosaurs. I don't know, but it's not what you were expecting. Another one. Uh, Food especially, right? Ever seen? Has a hamburger advertisement ever matched the hamburger you actually got? Now, it's true that somewhere in the universe at some point, a hamburger existed that looked like this. hamburger from Burger King to you. Now you get this hamburger over here. It's not exactly a lie, but it's not the complete truth either. Same thing with tacos, right? Has anybody had a taco that looked like the one that got advertised? Uh, Ice cream. This is maybe my favorite. Uh, This next one. Yeah. (laughs) Panda ice. Well, the ice cream part is true. The panda, not so much true. When we, talk about, when we talk about this idea of I didn't say that, that's not what I meant. That's not what I was trying to communicate. You can technically say something that is true, but it's not the whole story. And so part of the truth gets left out. There are times when we talk about God. We talk about what God wants for our lives. And we say something that is technically true, But maybe not completely true. Maybe it's not all the time true. Maybe it's sometimes true. Maybe it's a part of what is true. But it doesn't tell the whole story as it implies that it's telling. That's how I feel about the phrase, God just wants me to be happy. God just wants me to be happy. Or sort of the related phrase, Um, follow your heart, do what makes you happy, because God just wants you to be happy. On the one hand, that's true. I mean, God God does want us to be happy. God God does want us to have joy. The, The Bible talks about joy and rejoicing and being glad and being happy. The the Bible uh, talks about, uses the word blessed, which can be translated as happy. It's true that God wants you to be happy. Now, it, it it would be easy for me this morning if I took the approach of 
God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to be holy. Right? I've heard that phrase. Maybe you've heard that phrase in churches. Sometimes we approach this subject from God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to be holy. And then we all leave feeling like God wants us to be miserable, right? And he's mad and he doesn't want us to be happy. But the, the truth is, that not the one-sided truth, but the whole truth is God actually wants you to be happy and be holy. God wants both of those things for you. It's not either or. It's not this false dichotomy. If you got to choose, you either got to be happy or you got to be holy. God, the Bible communicates God wants all of that for us. God wants us to be happy. That, that's true. God wants us to be holy. That's true. We've talked about times in the Old Testament where God said to his people, I don't want anybody to be sad while we're celebrating this festival. I want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to be filled with joy. No weeping, no grieving, no crying. Here's some other examples in the Bible that communicate this idea. God does want us to be happy. This is Psalm 1611. You, this is the psalmist talking to God, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The psalmist said, God, you want me to be happy. <clears throat> you want to give me joy. You want to give me pleasures. You want to give me happiness. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he's praying in John 17. This is a part of Jesus' prayer in John 17. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they, he's talking about his followers, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Jesus is maybe an hour away from being arrested, betrayed, tried, beaten, crucified. All of that is about to start. And part of what Jesus prays in John 17 is that his followers would be happy. I, I'm praying they would have the full measure of my joy in their life. They would be happy like I'm happy. Like Jesus and God the Father are happy. God does want us to be happy. Don't. Don't get distracted. I, I know that sometimes we, we kind of separate the meanings of joy and happiness. And we say, well, happiness is that sort of short-term superficial feeling that we have. Joy is the deep, abiding, lasting uh, happiness that God wants to give us. But the Bible doesn't really separate those terms in that way. The Bible doesn't speak of an either or in that way. The, the Bible, all the words the Bible uses, rejoice, joy, be glad, bless, be happy. They're all conveying the same thing. God does want a deep abiding sense of happiness in our lives. And if that's true, can we say, well, this makes me happy and God wants me to be happy, so I should just do that. Well, the dots don't connect quite that easily. Because the question is not whether God wants us to be happy. He does. The question is not whether God wants us to be happy. The question is my ability to really determine what will ultimately make me happy. Am I good at that? Can I always trust myself to know what will bring happiness? Happiness is not the problem. 
wanting happiness is not necessarily the problem. Part of the problem is, am I really good at determining what leads to happiness? And, and I know that sounds weird. I, I, I know just a logical level, you're tempted to say, well, yeah, I, I do it. If it makes me happy, then I know I'm happy, right? Or I look at it, if I think it makes me happy, then it's probably going to make me happy. But is it that simple? Here's a couple of things the Bible has to say. This is Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? The prophet said, our inner being, our will, how we make decisions, that, that inner part of us that processes decisions and choices and likes and dislikes and, and happiness and sadness, that inner part of us is broken in some ways. It can't always be trusted especially as we're living out from under the direction and the will of God, we have the capacity for serious self-deception. We have the ability to convince ourselves of things that aren't true, to convince ourselves of things that aren't valuable, that aren't lasting, that aren't healthy, that aren't good. So the prophet says, you need to know you're not always a good judge of things. And specifically for what we're talking about, you're not always a good judge of what will bring you happiness and what will produce happiness long-term in your life. In a somewhat famous passage over in the New Testament, Paul talks about how there are things that he wants to do that he knows are good for him, are the right things to do. And he sometimes struggles to do those things. And there are things that he knows he shouldn't be doing that he sometimes finds himself doing. There is this tension, Paul says, in my life because I know on the one hand what I should be doing, but then I'm drawn towards things that I shouldn't be doing because we could probably say they look like they'll make me happy right now. They look like they'll bring some sort of fulfillment. There is this ongoing tug of war in us that's pulling us away from what is best for us. Pulling us away from what will ultimately bring joy and happiness in our lives. And pulling us toward things that are ultimately going to be unhealthy for us. We have impulses. We have desires. We have certain emotions that if we just live towards those, if we give those free reign in our life, they're going to take us places that won't lead to happiness and joy. They'll lead to destruction. They'll lead to heartache. They'll lead to brokenness. Classic example, when we were kids, what made us happy was eating candy and ice cream for every meal, right? That made us happy. Eating sugar all of the time. That made us happy. What we didn't have the capacity to see as kids was that if we continued to do what made us happy, it would ultimately make us unhealthy. It, and, and our unhealthiness would then lead to unhappiness. We didn't have the ability to see that as a kid. We just knew what we wanted. We just knew what made us happy in the moment. But then we grow up and we don't necessarily grow out of that. 
Hopefully we grow out of eating candy and ice cream all the time. Hopefully we grow out of some of those childish impulses, but we don't outgrow impulses as we become adults. We look at life and we are sometimes tempted to say, that will make me happy without realizing that the end result of that is going to be unhealthy for you. It's going to be relationally unhealthy. Perhaps it'll be physically unhealthy. It's going to be unhealthy for your future spiritually. It's going to be unhealthy. We are a lot like kids sometimes. We see something. We have an impulse. We think that it will make us happy. And we're not able to discern this is a really bad decision. You could say it like this. We often mistake... Immediate happiness for abiding happiness. We often mistake immediate happiness for abiding happiness. What's going to make me happy in the moment versus what is going to continue to produce joy in my life on an ongoing basis. Let's leave candy and ice cream. Here's an adult version of that. And that is, it would make me happy to spend everything that I make on things that I like to do and things that I want to purchase and then max out credit cards so that I can take the trips that will make me happy and buy the things that will make me happy. And in a moment of making a purchase, I'm really happy, but the end result of all of that's a really unhealthy place for me. And that unhealthy place is going to cause me to be unhappy one day But I don't always recognize that because in the moment, it seems like I would be happy. We have to admit that our ability to see into the future is very limited, very limited. And so we make decisions now about happiness that are going to ruin our happiness down the line. Another way to think about it, happiness tends to be a moving target in our lives. Happiness seems to always be shifting. It's a moving target. Your life experience teaches you this because you have made a decision and you were convinced there was going to be some benefit to that decision. There was going to be some payoff to that decision. There was going to be some happiness or joy as a result of that decision. So you decided that you would make a new purchase or you would change jobs or you would start a new relationship or you would switch toothpaste or whatever it is for you that you thought this is it. This is going to really make a difference in my life. And it lasted about five minutes, right? Some of those purchases, the happiness lasted from the store until you got home and then it was over. Or maybe it lasted a week or a month or six months. This is the power of impulse buying, right? We've all felt that. You walk in the store, you didn't know you needed it until you saw it, and then you needed it. I have to have, it's 50% off. I have to save that money today. And so I'm going to buy, we don't have one of these at home, right? Have you ever justified it that way? We don't have one of these. There's a part of our heart that responds to immediate impulse, immediate happiness. And what I'm trying to communicate to you today is happiness is not evil. 
Happiness is not the enemy. Happiness is what God wants for us. God wants joy in our life. But you and I need a healthy skepticism when it comes to our ability to determine what really brings happiness. We need to make happiness decision based on wisdom and not just emotion. Based on a sense of discernment and not just a sense of impulse. Another caution, and there could probably be a lot of these, but here's another caution about this need for happiness, this desire for happiness. We sometimes confuse happy with easy. Because we we don't always discern what's going to lead to happiness, sometimes what looks like happiness is really just easy. We found a way out. We found an excuse. We found a quick fix. We found a way that will keep us from having to stay in the process. We found a way to not have to be committed to something. We found a way to get out of it, to relieve the stress or relieve the pressure. And it's really not happiness. It's really easy. Now, the problem with misreading easy as happy is that easy becomes a default for us. Once we give in to well, that's easier, so that'll make me happy. Then the next time, it just becomes easier to give in to what is easy. Sometimes we misdefine easy as happy. So here's one part of the problem. One part of the problem is I don't always clearly see and understand what will and won't make me happy. Here's the other part of the problem, though. Happiness, even though it's something God wants for you, happiness isn't the only goal God has for you and me. It's not the only goal. We we don't get to remove all of the other things that God wants for us and just establish happiness as the only criteria by which we make decisions. God does want us to be happy. God wants us to enjoy our life. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says over and over again, enjoy the one life that you have. Enjoy the life that God gave you. See it as a gift from God. God does desire that. That's just not the only thing God desires for us. And and if we aren't careful, we can define everything about our life, every decision that we make, every choice that we make. We can define all of those by the question, does this make me happy? Does this make me happy? God wants me to be happy. Does this make me happy? But God in your life is doing more than just trying to bring about your happiness. He's trying to deepen your faith. He's trying to grow your character. He's trying to help you trust. He's trying to give you wisdom. He's trying to help you have discernment. God is doing more than just giving us happiness. And when we use the phrase, God just wants me to be happy, I think what we're doing is we're elevating happiness Not only to first place, but only place when it comes to the decision making in our life. That's not all God's doing in you. He's growing you. He's he's changing you. He's 
He's allowing difficult circumstances to come into your life that don't initially appear as happiness so that he can lead you to a spiritually healthy place in your life. God wants more for you and for me than to be happy. See, I think when it comes to this happiness issue, we're going to live our life from one of two perspectives. We're either going to live this from, from the perspective of when happy, I'm sorry, um, we'll get to that in just a minute. When happiness is my only focus, I have an incomplete goal and an imperfect strategy. When happiness is my only focus, I have an imperfect goal and an, and an imperfect strategy, an incomplete goal and an imperfect strategy. Strategy. It's an imperfect goal because it's not all God wants for me. I, I, I can't filter everything through. Does this make me happy? Because that's not all God's doing. And it's an, it's an imperfect strategy because I'm not, I'm not good at always determining happiness. I have, I have an incomplete goal and I have an imperfect strategy. So... What I was saying a minute ago, here's the two perspectives that you and I live from. We either live from this perspective, what makes me happy must be right, what makes me happy must be right, or what is right will ultimately lead to happiness. Those are the two perspectives we're going to live when it comes to happiness. What makes me happy must be right, and this is how many people choose to live their life. It makes me happy, it must be okay. It makes me happy, it must be right. It makes me happy, it must be what God wants for me. I'm either going to live from the perspective of what makes me happy must be right, or I'm going to live from the perspective of what is right will lead to happiness. This is what David says in Psalm 19.8. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. That's the order. What's right are the precepts of the Lord, and the precepts of the Lord are what lead to joy. They're what lead to happiness. But what's right leads to happiness. I said earlier that God, God wants us to be happy, and God wants us to be holy. And, and God knows that holiness leads to happiness. Living right leads to happiness. Another psalm, Psalm 37, 4. It, it, this one gets quoted a lot in this discussion. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Often we quote that God wants to give me the desires of my heart without the first part, which says, look, take delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Walk with the Lord. Live for the Lord, and God will give you the desires then that will lead you into joy. God will give you the desires. God will help you clearly see what leads to real, abiding, lasting happiness. The problem is we get those backwards sometimes. We get focused on me being happy that we forget that what is right leads to happiness. Happiness doesn't make right. What is right leads to happiness. God 
wants us to be happy. And God wants us to be holy. And God wants to do his work in our life because he knows that work will lead to happiness. Not, not just a momentary happiness. Not just a brief happiness. Not just a happiness in these few minutes. But a, a happiness that we will find joy in at the end of our life. We don't often think about happiness in those terms. We tend to think of happiness in terms of what's right in front of me, the decision I'm making right now. And occasionally, we should step back and, and, and we should ask ourselves, what, what sort of life am I going to be happy with at the end of my days? What? Well, when I'm getting nearer to the end of my life than the beginning of my life, when, when I'm on that side of my life and I look back, what am I going to be happy with? Well, what decisions do I hope I will have made? What life do I hope I will have led? What do I hope I will have given to my family, to, to my children? What do I hope I will have taught others who are coming behind me? When, when I get more towards the end of my life, what is happiness going to look like at that point? Rather than, what does happiness look like right now? God, God desires for us to be happy. But not not an easy, superficial happiness. A deep, abiding sense of joy that says, God, happiness is one of the things you're doing in my life. It's not the only thing you're doing in my life. And I want to be faithful to all the things you're doing in my life because I know that faithfulness will ultimately lead to happiness. And God gives us, God gives us his word. To help us know what will lead us to happiness. God gives us the example of his son. And as we read his life, we know what leads to happiness. God gives us his Holy Spirit at work inside of us. So where those broken places are in our heart, the Holy Spirit strengthens and gives us wisdom and discernment that you and I don't have. But that sort of happiness... That eternal, lasting happiness comes when you and I are committed to do what is right. And by doing what is right, by being right with God through Jesus, we are then led into a deep life of happiness. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be holy. God wants you to grow in your faith, to be strengthened in your faith. He is at work in you, you and I just can't take the reins from him and determine our lives solely based on what we think will make us happy in the immediate. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the, the comfort, the, the, the hope that it is to know that you indeed want us to be happy. You want us to find joy, but you also know that we're not always good at deciding what's going to bring joy into our lives. 
probably all of us can look back over our lives and find times where we thought something was going to lead to happiness and it led to brokenness. And so remind us today that we are imperfect when it comes to happiness decisions and that by following you, by trusting you, by obeying you, as David said, the precepts of the Lord are right and they lead to joy. The way of the Lord is right and it leads to joy, deep abiding joy in the Lord. So give us a Give us a cautious spirit when determining what would bring happiness in this life. Give us a discerning mind when it comes to what would bring joy in this life so that you would be able to do your full work within us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.